In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Let's just start by talking about all the stuff that stinks about this well-known story of Mary and Martha. First, it's been used over the years to set up false dichotomies, to pit the active life against the contemplative life, doing against being, service against formation. The truth is that both are necessary to a mature spiritual life, and our goal should be finding our balance between them. Then, because the main characters are both women, this story has been used over the years to establish a bit of a catfight. It feeds into the stereotype, totally untrue in my experience, that women have an inbred sense of competition and comparison with one another. We pit one woman against the other and silently cheer or fume as Jesus praises Mary for choosing the better part. Further, our common interpretations of this text hurt those among us who take great joy in showing their love for others by taking care of them through service and hospitality. And it's doubly unfair because even though we've come a long way as a society, women are still raised with the message, often unspoken, that we are to take care of the ones that we love, that we are to sublimate our needs to the needs of others, that we are the ones charged with bringing loved ones together by planning and hosting parties and family gatherings. So here we've told Martha that one of the highest expressions of her womanhood is to provide thoughtful hospitality for those that she loves. And then she gets chastised for doing that very thing. Okay, now that we've gotten all of those frustrations just out on the front porch, I want to invite us to take a deep breath and look at this familiar story anew. Because I don't believe this story is actually about any of those things. So often when we clergy are unpacking a passage of scripture, we, pe we speak to the importance of context. And I think that's especially important in this case. Back in chapter 9, we are told that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. What this means is that Jesus is pivoting from a focus on his ministry of healing and preaching and teaching and um, is now shaping his remaining time on earth around the events that wait him in Jerusalem. This does not mean that he doesn't continue to teach and heal and to call folks to himself. But it does mean that these activities now take on a different role. Jesus now undertakes them in support of, in service to the culmination of his mission, his challenge of the religious authorities in Jerusalem, and his resulting death on the cross. Jesus' first encounters after setting his face toward Jerusalem is with would-be followers. One wants to bury his father, one wants to say goodbye to his loved ones, Jesus' response is, let the dead bury their dead. And no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus' words to these men, all of whom are distracted by urgent but first tasks that they need to tend to before following Jesus, 
All of his comments to them are much harsher than his words to Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things, but there is need of only one thing. So perhaps this story isn't about any of those things we talked about earlier. Perhaps this story is about timing and priorities, about circumstances and contexts which demand different behaviors. Perhaps it's about the call of Jesus on his followers then and now that reminds us to keep first things first. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and the cross. He will not be with his friends and followers much longer. He eagerly desires that, he, that they hear what he has to say, that they receive what he brings, and that they be drawn into the abundant life that he offers. In this moment, at this time, the better part is simply being attentive to God's divine word as it walks this earth, enfleshed in our flesh, for just a little while longer. This past week, I listened to a fascinating podcast interview. It was with Dr. Amishi Jha, a neuroscientist and the author of the bestseller, Peak Mind. Dr. Jha tells us that in any given moment, we have a finite amount of attention. A part of our brain manages where we allocate our attention, but we can choose to override that air traffic controller and redirect our attention through focus. When we focus, it's like shining a flashlight on a particular spot. We see it more completely and deeply. And that which is outside the focus of the flashlight becomes faded and blurry and dim. Because our attention is finite, where we choose to focus matters. Let me give you an example. Have you ever had the experience of making your daily commute only to realize once you've arrived that you don't remember any details about the drive because you were deep in thought? You can choose to pay attention to the details of your drive, the other cars, the number of red lights you hit, the song on the radio. Or you can choose to pay attention to your interior thoughts and musings. But because we have a finite amount of attention, we can't pay attention to it all. And here's the aha moment. We have to pay attention to something for it to set up shop in our memory, in our internal filing cabinets. It's not enough that it was a periphery part of our experience. If we wanna have future access to it, we have to focus on it. This really is the crux of Jesus' comment to Martha. Jesus notices that she is worried and distracted by her many tasks. Jesus is right there in front of Martha, and yet she's missing out on him in her zeal to serve him. To my ear, Jesus is not chiding her. His speaking her name twice is a show of intimacy and compassion. He is inviting her to override her brain's autopilot and take the reins. Her attention, 
her focus has been on the tasks associated with hosting guests, cleaning, meal preparation, making sure her guests are comfortable. Because her limited amount of attention is focused on this, it cannot be focused on Jesus' presence and his teaching. Jesus loves Martha. He is well aware that when he is no longer among them, his friend Martha will regret not having focused on what he had to share when she had the chance. And we can sense this struggle in Martha. She is torn by the expectations of others, by what is considered normative, by the hit her public reputation as hostess with the mostess might take. She is torn between all of these and her desire to join Mary at Jesus' feet and be fed by his words and presence. We hear this in her exasperated, triangulated, and thoroughly unhospitable remark, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. We can relate to this, can't we? We know this feeling of being torn because we can all recall gatherings of those we love where we miss so much of the shared conversations, of the communication through glances without words, for the joy of simply being with, because we felt driven to take care of the tasks that we determined were ours to do. We too get frustrated because contrary to the popular saying, we can't have it all. Something's got to give. And we get tied up trying to figure out what it will be. Martha's dilemma continues to be our dilemma. We still so easily get caught up in the ordinary, if important, details of raising families and getting our work done and serving in our communities that we are drawn away from the better part in the routine of our tasks and priorities, we lose sight of that one needful thing. We might prefer to be able to plan to be attentive to Jesus so that it you know, fits in our schedule, to put it on our to-do list. You know, Wednesday at 3 p.m., I will tend to Jesus. But these opportunities usually show up unexpectedly and often at inconvenient times. We have to be willing to take advantage of them when they arise. We have to be willing to allow our priorities to be adjusted, to pivot and embrace his presence versus holding tightly to our plans and schedules. Training ourselves for this receptivity is one of the reasons why Sunday worship and other opportunities to gather as disciples are so important. We need to be immersed in Jesus' word. We need to be present to his presence. We need to have our attention focused like a flashlight on his teaching and example. We show up on Sundays worried and distracted by many things. In worship, we are able to gain perspective. 
the priorities and the expectations of the world fade to the edges and become dimmer. dimmer. The presence and teaching of Jesus becomes clearer, more defined, enfleshed in the body of the community. And because we have chosen to focus our attention on Jesus, he sets up shop in our memory where he continues to shape us into the people he has created us to be. Martha, like many of us, desires to be a good host. What we are reminded of today is that regardless of whose home we find ourselves in, Jesus is the host. He longs to serve us and give us what he's prepared for us. In our tendency to focus on our worries and distractions, let us not miss the opportunity to receive his gift. Amen.